1: on the topic of separating from parents and how we can approach all of those emotional components in addition to the function of behavior. So this question we have is about separating from a parent. The question says, I have a kiddo who has a difficult time separating from mom. At home, the living room is closed off with a gate, so I have a meltdown and aggress towards the sibling, which is serious harm, potentially. Um, And then mom will rush back to the child. And when the child's at the clinic, he has a meltdown screaming for mom, and he's watching her leave. Um, Once she leaves, the meltdown ends, and the rest of the session is fine. However, when a staff member leaves his proximity, he'll say goodbye over and over and over again. Um, So it's kind of repetitively with that separation. With ABC data we collected, it seems to be attention maintained, But the emotional component, um, the separation anxiety, seems very compelling. How can I address the emotional fear he has? And I think really the root of the question here is the behavioral function versus is there a place for the emotional piece?
0: That's got to be so tough from a mom's perspective too, right? So, you know, the mom's trying to do the right thing and put her kid in ABA, And then she's seeing how distressed her child is. And I couldn't imagine being the mom in that particular time, right? There's no way as a mother that I could ever not address the behavior. So sure, maybe I logically know that it's attention maintained because my BCBA has told me that. But how as a mother would I ever go and not provide attention or comfort to my child who's screaming because he or she wants me?
1: Yeah. And I think it is hard to attribute everything to being a function. First of all, kids deserve attention, right? And they de- deserve attention from parents. And just because we realize the function is attention doesn't mean that now we can say, well, I guess we're not going to reinforce it with attention um, because that's not really so fair either. So knowing the function still doesn't give us insight into you know, how can we help contribute to the well-being of both the child and the parent. Um, It doesn't say in the question how old the child is. I feel like that might be an important factor. I'm going to assume the child is young, um, but that might not be the case. Um, and I do have a very similar situation where we have a three-year-old who just started coming for ABA and has never really even been away from his parents. And so, this is, whole thing is really new for him. And even just during the visit, was already starting to show that he was getting anxious and nervous. The parents weren't able to leave his side at all. So, before even starting sessions, we could see that in him. And we recommended that the parents stay and so parents were in on the treatment sessions and we have a process of, you know, them fading out of the treatment sessions. So if they're in the room with the child at first for the first few days, at this point, I think the parent is outside of the room. So they're, he's visible to the child, but the child is really happy playing with the therapist, really being able to be engaged. Um, and the parent is just going to slowly fade themselves out. Um, you know, that approach is very different than the rip off the band-aid kind of approach, which like I feel like I used with my kids and it was drop them off at preschool, and like I'm not sticking around no matter how much you cry. Um, they're very different approaches. And I think that you know, the rip-off the band-aid approach does work for a lot of kids who maybe don't have you don't suspect that there's an emotional component, that there isn't that fear or the anxiety. But I think when we're dealing with um what you're calling separation anxiety, you do have to take that into account. And sometimes just do it using the typical withhold reinforcement method might not be in the best interest. So then we do want to look at something that that's more, you know, shaping smaller approximations of that behavior. And, you know, as much as we
0: don't always want parents present during therapy, why not? I think it's fantastic. Parents being present during therapy is so great for so many reasons. Number one, it, you know, helps with that, quote, unquote, separation anxiety. But also, um, parents learn, right? They can see what we're doing in therapy. They can see that we're not harming their child. And they can also see, oh, this is how you get them to talk, or this is how you get them to at least communicate or, you know, point to things, et cetera. Um, so it's really amazing. When we've had parents in sessions, we've had so much progress made because parents have been there. Um, Sure, you know what? Parents can be distracting. And that's always the argument that I hear from therapists is that, oh, but they're, you know, parents are so distracting that the child is climbing all over mom or just nestles into mom's armpit and won't, you know, won't come and see me. And so, well, listen, like you've got to find a better reinforcement. So find something that's better than mom to you know help get that child paired with you. Um, so I agree completely. Keep the mom in the therapy session. Not only is the child less anxious, but also the mom's learning. And then number three, you get to learn what makes that child tick, and you know basically pair yourself with reinforcement.
1: Um, and before you start feeding mom out, and I think if if it's not an option for mom to say to stay, because you did mention that. Um, at some point, she drops the child off and leaves and then the child is fine. So if you have that conversation with mom and you're offering her to stay and she's saying it's, it's not really an option, which is possible, um, then I think have the conversation with mom about, well, if you're not going to stay, then we're going to need you to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, kind of explaining to her and discussing with her how that you can make that work so that she's able to leave. Um, and not, you know, maybe come back over and over again, but come up with a system where you're able to fade her out so that she can leave. Maybe it's dropping them off at the door. Maybe she walks the child in or coming up with a way that the child clearly knows mom is leaving. um, and mom is not going to come back because I'm crying and helping, helping mom, you know, work through that, um, where the ideal would be if she could stay and and not have to leave and go through that meltdown. But if she can't, then how can we still facilitate the best outcome here? And what's the best way to help mom through this?
0: We had a child one time who we did exactly this with and mom stayed in therapy sessions. And we wrote this whole procedure and it was like literally step-by-step. Okay, mom, you leave the room for 10 seconds and you come back in, you're in sight, but not available, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, within a month, Bef- like we haven't even started this procedure yet. It was just Mom was in the room. Within a month, the kid was ignoring Mom and being and was with us because we were fun and we were paired. Um, the, were we had to throw our procedure out because Mom could just leave at that point in time because the kid then trusted us. And as a child trusted us, Mom was just like, yeah, it's irrelevant whether she's in the room or not. So it's like, oh, I spent an hour on that. <laughs>
1: and now I don't have to use it, which is actually great. But it's like, oh, but my time, I want
0: to just implement this
1: procedure. But that's a good point because that's not behavioral either, right? But building trust and building relationships and taking the time to pair and have the therapist really connect with the child will take you really far in these kind of situations because first and foremost, the child I mean, and the parent, but essentially the child has to feel safe. And sometimes that separation anxiety comes from, you know, a feeling of insecurity or a feeling of being unsafe. So if you can spend some time pairing, then that will help build the relationship so that they do feel safe. And then maybe you don't need those protocols.
0: Yeah, so, you know, if the mom, to Share's point before, if the mom can't stay, Have that conversation with mom. Well, can you stay for a month? Can you stay for a week? Can you stay? Okay, you can't stay at all? Okay, then this is what needs to happen. Or, hey, can you stay for the first 10 minutes? Can you stay for the first 15 minutes? How long can you stay for? And then talk to mom about, okay, if you can't stay, what does your exit routine look like? What does drop-off look like? Maybe there's some kind of ritual that you guys can do. Okay, bye, mom. I love you. See you later. And have some type of visual, like a time timer or something to indicate when mom is coming back or having mom say some specific words, I love you so much. I am right here. I will be back for you at four o'clock, something along those lines so that it's very clear to the child when mom will be back. And if the child doesn't understand that, it's still the same thing over and over again, almost like a bedtime routine. I've done that before with, with kids whereby they have to put away their favorite toy and they have to put them to sleep, etc. So this is almost the same thing, just a different ritual.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned in the question that In the living room, they're kind of closed off with the sibling and when mom leaves, the child will aggress towards the sibling and then mom comes back. So thinking about antecedent strategies there, it's maybe they don't need to be left alone with the sibling or if mom feels like they're in danger, she shouldn't leave those kind of things but then also What's the replacement skill? Can we work on some way for them to call for mom or to ask to be with mom or things like that? Um, it wasn't clear from the question, but definitely, uh, you know, mom can't be with them 24-7. So setting up the environment and using those antecedent strategies so that everybody is safe, and then educating mom on how to react in the moment, but also those replacement skills are really important.
0: I think communication is key as well, right? So you know, we keep saying, and mom, and mom, and mom, make sure you're having these conversations with mom and make sure you're getting mom's opinion on things and mom's input. Because if you just go and tell mom, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and do this and do this, um, it doesn't always work right? You're not going to get by in that way. You need to be able to have mom as a communicative partner in this as well. Okay. Hey mom, you know, I may be the expert on behavior, but you're the expert on your child. What do you think is going to work in this situation? Okay. Let's work on this together and let's have a plan and let's keep checking in with each other.
1: Yeah. So I think um, the what we're getting at is there really is a time and place for things that go beyond the function of attention. Um, there's a lot to consider, and we should take you know the emotional component and the parents' perspective and the relationship building, and you know the separation, anxiety and all those things really are factors and how it affects um, our work with the child. So while the function is important and we should definitely look into that, also taking all of that into consideration.
0: Such key points, Shira. thanks so much.